There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com. It's time for a healthy dose of According to the Castles, the show where we talk about marriage, family, faith, health, nutrition, fitness, and so much more. And now, please welcome your hosts, Amy and Trey Castles. Hey, everyone. It's Amy Castles. I have a very special guest today, Allison Shepardak. Welcome, Allison. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited about this. Everyone, you are going to love Allison. She is your etiquette hype gal. She offers social, business, and dining etiquette courses, as well as international protocol and event styling services. Her mission is to uplift and empower you so that you will come away from her content on social media and wherever you can find her courses, feeling more confident, poised, and loved. She has studied a lot on etiquette through the years as a... TV news reporter for an NBC station in New York. She's also an attorney and working at a large corporate law firm, went to George Washington University Law School. She studied legislative, judicial, executive branches, as well as the federal government, including the West Wing of the White House. And she served in a senior leadership position at a national nonprofit organization. She's from Washington, D.C., uh, lives on Capitol Hill, and her and her husband are remodeling homes as well, historic ones, which are so poised in etiquette as, as well. I just love that. And now her hope is through Elevate Etiquette that she can share what she learns and has learned through the years and help avoid us in repeating some of those same mistakes and amplify your innate appreciation for the art and the palpable impact of kindness, consideration, and compassion. You have such a long resume. And when I looked at your Instagram and I was looking at your bio on there, I was like, wow, you are, you have so many experiences and I can see where and how it has fit into etiquette. Can you tell me how you were, how you came to this world of etiquette? Yes. So I got my first etiquette book when I was engaged to be married and my husband and I were planning our wedding and I had some questions. And so the first book I got was Amy Vanderbilt's complete book of etiquette. And I thought that I would just turn to the pages that would provide the answers that I needed to know for these certain discrete questions. And then I found myself reading the entire book, which uh, 
is a lengthy one. It's kind of like reading a dictionary cover to cover. And since then I have just, I've loved the topic and I've, um, I didn't necessarily start working in etiquette at that time. I started as a television news reporter and then I went to law school and I practiced law for some time um, and also served in the government and then in a nonprofit. But all along, I just saw how soft skills and Mm -hmm. the importance of relationship and community are and um, just deepen my appreciation for for etiquette and in events and you know creating meaningful moments and moments that matter all of that sort of stuff working in these spaces that you've worked in you definitely have to have etiquette because you're in so many social environments with um, the government environments there's etiquette a lot of etiquette in the government and um, we have some friends that work in DC and there's like there are things that you have to follow. Um, and, and then you were a figure skater as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, love yes. it. And that's where that beauty and poise come from too. I, I can 100% see all of this fitting in together. Some of my friends who are attorneys and have, uh, worked in law, they are so good at reading. If they decide that they want to study a subject, they will read it forward and back just like you did. So I can completely visualize you just immersing yourself into this subject and learning it so well. That's why I can see that you are very good at what you do. Okay. So my first question is, and this is where some of the people that I've shared with um, about you coming on here have said, well, what is the difference of etiquette versus ethics versus manners? And a lot of people are getting these mixed up. Can you tell us the difference of etiquette versus ethics versus manners? Yes. So I would say that ethics are um, most important if we're talking about all three. Ethics are about morality and about treating others with respect and kindness and doing the right thing, being honest. Uh, Etiquette should always be about kindness, consideration, respect. Um, But sometimes, um, sometimes that's not always the underpinning, even though it should be. And then I would say manners are the customs that we have. So etiquette is like, um, Every culture has an etiquette, but the actual manners or what we do in each culture can change. Um. Okay. And with etiquette, there is a variety of categories. Can you tell me some of the categories involved in etiquette? Sure. So we have dining etiquette, we have professional etiquette, we have social etiquette, and then we have etiquette that is specific to various experiences. So let's say wedding etiquette um, could be bridal shower etiquette. Should We could talk about children's etiquette. And then there's also a separate category of protocol, which is more about how we engage um, with official visits or international engagements. So like if um, the head of another country is visiting the United States, what is the procedure of mm-hmm. that visit? When I was in a ethics course in college, one of the things, social, it was social ethics and racial studies. We yeah. learned a lot about the um, certain protocols that need to take place based on the culture that you're talking with. Yes. And I think that is really important here, especially as we have become more of an international company, a country. We have, if mm-hmm. you, if you're living out in the country, you're, you may not see it, but if you go to any major city, you're going to see v- a variety of cultures. And there's nothing wrong with being respectful to someone else's culture and even being interested or even honoring their culture and understanding their customs and having good manners. Just, and I, and I don't know if this is, if this would be considered like mocking or what, but I know that in, um, for a Chinese culture, when they hand a business Mm -hmm. card, it's holding with two and you're, um, you're bowing to them and handing it to them. If if someone did that here and they met a Chinese person and they were um, giving them, if they were given their business card, would that be considered rude or would they be so delighted and honored? 
I teach that you should do that, that you okay. should hand it with your two car or with your two hands and that you shouldn't do what commonly happens in the United States where we're, you know, almost like playing air hockey, shuffling our um, business cards across the conference room table to everybody there. And it's not an offensive thing. It's just an efficient thing. But uh-huh. I teach that it is respectful, even though generally you want to adopt or you you want to adopt the etiquette of the place where you physically are. So if you are an American and you are traveling to China, it would be different than having Chinese guests come and visit you. But because that's um, such an important piece of their culture, I think it's very gracious to demonstrate mm-hmm. that you know that. Um, and it's easy to do, you know? Yeah. But if they're, if they're also someone who is, maybe they're visiting here and they are a guest of honor and you honor them in that way, but maybe they're a child of the grandparents who are immigrants and they don't know anything about it themselves, they may take it as you're mocking. That's possible too. So you have to know the person that you're talking to. Definitely, definitely. And there's so many different schools of thought and etiquette, but the Emily Post Institute is one that I respect and they teach that you need to know the rules in order to break them. And I think that's that's a good example there. Like sometimes if you are so by the book all the time, you wouldn't be really honoring or respectful or it could come across as mocking or inappropriate. Well, that would fall into the social etiquette, right? And, and having some common sense and and some social skills, right? Yes. Well, I think that's this is really good for people to to really read on and study and look at your courses, especially as if you're moving into the corporate world or doing anything with your travel. Um, it's just. These are just great skills. Even just learning some Spanish. I mean, we. I'm in Texas. I I learn Spanish. Our kids learn Spanish in school. They have to take two years, and that is helpful for them to learn that second language. It's not just about speaking; it's also about your actions too. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Okay, so there's international um, etiquette, but there's also professional etiquette. So learning how to interact with those in business, right? And you do you teach yes. classes on that as well? Yes, I do. Yes. So, and we cover everything from interviews to working with clients to uh, negotiation tactics. There's a lot about body language that I think is very important in business. I coach people on public speaking um, to help improve their confidence there. Um, Yeah, there's, there's a lot to cover, especially there's a lot of crossover as well with dining etiquette and professional etiquette as dining is Mm -hmm. often business. Right. This is not something they really teach in college too much, is it? It's not, it's not. Um, I would say some schools offer it, but it's often not required, but I do think it's very helpful, especially because if you're going into a job interview setting or if you're entering the workforce, it's I think we want to empower people with as much confidence as we can. And so we don't want them to feel like they're wearing a costume and not like clothes that are comfortable and make them feel confident. Or we don't want them worried about how to pronounce something on a menu or what they should order. We want them to be talking about their ideas and connecting with the people that they're with. And uh, yeah, so I, I think it's at whatever time or season of life that you begin or think more deeply about etiquette, I think it's an excellent one, but especially so in those early professional development years. Absolutely. It's such a lost art, especially as culture has changed throughout the years Uh, here. I mean, look at, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 42 and I think of how we were in high school and it's very different than how the kids are in high school now, I mean, even just as much as thank you cards, I remember writing thank you cards after graduation for all the uh, friends and family who gave me gifts. And yes. now I, I am not even that great at it. So, of course, if I'm not that great at it, I haven't taught my kids very well how to do it. But there's you can't go wrong. That's the thing. Yes. If you if you are practicing good etiquette in any of these categories, nobody is going to say, "Hey, you have too much etiquette." They're actually going to be impressed. And I think that's so valuable. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the fun one. Everybody wants to know about this dining etiquette. Everybody says, what fork do I use? I just don't understand. They're like, just grab a fork. What is there a quick way that you could explain dining etiquette? Yes. So if you're ever confused as to what utensil you should use, you want to start from the outside and work your way in. And your forks, except for your oyster fork, are typically all on the left side of your place setting. Or your fork, if you find one above your place setting, that would be for dessert on the left side above the plate. Um, That's less common. Oftentimes you see the dessert utensils are put down when it's time for the dessert course, Mm -hmm. but generally you work your way in. And if you're ever unsure, you can just pause. You don't need to necessarily ask anyone. You can just kind of watch and see what your fellow diners Mm do. And, um, and I will say if you were ever at a fancier establishment, I, I do think it can become a little more confusing because the courses become more creative mm-hmm. and I have found they serve, they'll serve you a course with a fork and a spoon and maybe a knife and you're not really sure. So sometimes if it's just very confusing, just do your best, you know, and, um, don't worry too much about it. Okay. And does the knife go on the right? It goes on the right and, yes. and the, and the edge that you would butter with. Yes. Is facing in towards your fork. Yes. Right. Always facing in. And that actually is a tradition that comes from like many of our etiquette traditions are ones that, especially in dining, show that we come in peace. Um, so even the handshake, like the handshake mm-hmm. began as a way to show that we weren't, I mean, we didn't have any weapons on us, that we came in peace. Similarly, with a knife, we always have the blade facing in to demonstrate that right. we are not um, pointing the blade as a weapon towards anyone else. Oh, I love that. So each piece of etiquette has a, has a historical, um, story behind it. I, I wouldn't say every single one has a historical story behind it that, um, you know, you can trace with specificity, but a lot definitely do. I love that. Okay. And then the glasses you'll have, usually you'll have a water glass and then there may be a wine glass if wine is served and then maybe a teacup and a coffee cup. Is, yes. Am I missing any pieces of and then a champagne glass? If you're at say a wedding mm-hmm. or at a banquet or somewhere that would have a toast, um, you might find that as well. And generally the water glass can be like a goblet, the wine glasses, um, the red wine is a little bit larger. Mm-hmm. The white wine is a little bit more slim. And then the champagne glass would be the slimmest among them. Um, and then there's also some specialty glasses um, that are good to know. But generally, you don't need to know, you know, which is the martini glass, because if you order a martini, it's just going to come in the martini glass. So True. if you know that in terms of knowing your way around um, red wine, white wine, champagne and water, that's helpful. And then whenever we are drinking from a glass, we want to hold it from the stem and not from the bowl of the glass. And mm. the reason for that is twofold. One, because it preserves the temperature of whatever you're drinking. So whether it's red wine, white wine, port, you know, all the all these different types of beverages, they are correctly served at specific temperatures. So the heat of your hand will either warm generally warm the glass. Um, so that's one reason. And then the second reason is it prevents fingerprints from getting along the glass. And then if we want to get really technical, if you are (laughs) someone that wears lipstick, um, or any kind of chapstick, really, you want to sip from the same spot. And the reason for this, and this is something that you think about throughout the whole dining process, you want to be as clean as possible and basically make as less work as possible for the people who will be cleaning up Mm -hmm. after you. And so just think about cleaning a lipstick ring, you know, a rim around the whole glass versus just in one little spot. Yeah. That, that actually, I've, I've seen that like, where it's just lipstick all the way around it. It's kind of, it's kind of like, Ooh, okay. One of the biggest things that, or the, uh, I just say the biggest, um, the greatest irk that I have whenever it comes to going out to eat with mm-hmm. someone is when they floss at the table. Oh, yes. Oh, do, have you seen people do that? Yeah. With the, like, cause you know, they have the little portable little flackers like for flossing, mm-hmm. which they're great. I mean, I use them every night, every morning, mm-hmm. but 
at the table. Oh gosh. I see more and more people doing this. Yes. Um, it's not okay. I, I think like maybe if we're in like a, a public restroom in an airport and you have a long flight, like maybe like in that type of scenario, but generally speaking, all sorts of hygiene we should be doing in private. So we don't want to be fixing our hair or doing our makeup or, um, any sort of like taking care of your nails, all of that should be done in private. How has culture affected etiquette because when I think of, yeah, I think of, you know, the way that the society has really talked about what women should do or shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of just becoming, you know, argued that, you know, women can do anything that they want to do. And if they want to fix their hair at the table or put on makeup or whatever, you know, anything goes a guy, he can do whatever he wants, you know, stuff like that, or even, uh, opening of the door, um, allowing a man to open the door is not considered, um, proper etiquette to some people. They're like, that's actually demeaning. How has that impacted? And have you and your work has a lot of, have a lot of people brought that or talked about that with you? Yes. And I think that it's very person specific and that it's Mm -hmm. important not to make assumptions. I do think that etiquette is all about kindness and honesty and Mm -hmm. demonstrating respect. And so, and that can mean different things to different people, but that should be an important underpinning. I do think that part of that respect is being able to, um, convey to people what they can expect at a given event and that they're like people like boundaries as much as they may not um, think that they do or maybe think that they don't like rules if we want to call them rules. I think they would rather be invited to an event where they know what the level of formality will be and how everyone will be dressed and like how long it will be kind of like information is power. And so like I think of there was a time I was had a baby shower with a group of friends and there was no dress code and almost everyone dressed so similarly. It was almost like we were in a catalog. And then I had one friend who came and she was wearing jeans and sneakers and, um, you know, cute top and she looked wonderful, but she, I know she would have dressed differently had she known that Mm -hmm. others were going to be a little bit more dressed up. And, And I was just thinking that's an occasion where a dress code, it wouldn't have been exclusionary. It wouldn't have been about making people feel badly. It would have just been, you know, we all kind of grew up in different areas of the country. And so we may not have the same sense of what to expect without um, a little more detail. Mm -hmm. But you bring up a great point about um, opening doors and other gender specific traditions. Some people love them. Other people don't. I think that you have to do what works best for you. Like and I some love people, them, by the way, I have, yeah. I, I will absolutely tell someone, thank you so much for opening the door for me. Yes. Uh, for me where I'm in Texas, chivalry is not dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I'm with you and I think it's really special, but if if someone disagrees, I can respect that. And that's when mm-hmm. you'll see things like if you're going to give a speech, instead of saying ladies and gentlemen, you may say oh, yeah. like distinguished guests or mm-hmm. friends and colleagues, or, you know, yeah. there's other ways that you can get around it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, right. um, you know, things like if you're not comfortable using non-traditional pronouns, you don't need to use the non-traditional pronouns to be respectful. You can just use the person's name and there's other mm-hmm. ways. You don't need to get super creative with the English language in order to um, to not use the pronouns, but then also be respectful. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I, I 100% agree. Because whether, honestly, whether you agree with someone, uh, someone else's beliefs or their lifestyle or whatever that they choose for themselves, we can still be kind. And we can mm-hmm. still, I, I think that that is going to go longer, uh, are going to go further than trying to make your stance and your point and your beliefs on them. Um, and by insulting, right. And I, I just, I do, I think that goes, it just goes, kindness goes such a long way. Okay. Let's talk about etiquette when it comes to social 
social etiquette. One of the things I learned a long time ago, I never have to worry about this because I'm not a shy person, but a lot of people are very shy and Mm. they may not understand that when you're shy, it is the same mannerisms as someone who may be just really snobby and feel like Mm. they are way too good for this room. Yes. And I don't think many shy people understand that that is a lot of times how they're perceived. Yes. Is that something that you've talked about as well? Yes. Just a few days ago, I had someone ask me about a family member who read a book at a party. And the question was, is this bad manners? Should someone be doing this? And I immediately thought like this person might have incredible social anxiety and mm-hmm. it might be really hard for them to be in conversation for any number of reasons. And it may be really comforting and and something that it's helpful to them to just read a book and be by themselves. Um, but I, I definitely find that. I think that not to talk too much about the pandemic, but I do think COVID and social isolation yeah. made things a little more difficult and made even people who tend to be more gregarious and more charismatic feel a little rusty in social situations. But I think that it's, it's, it's nice to kind of think objectively about how you come across in these social situations, um, whether or not you have a goal, whether the goal is connecting with family or meeting new people at a conference or whatever it is, um, it's good to go into it with a goal. Like I liked your last podcast was talking about Thanksgiving and about um, like having a healthy meal and enjoying your time with family. Maybe that's your goal. And you can think about like, what would it look like to, to manifest that during the day? Um, and I always recommend going into events with topics to talk about. And so yes. that you're not saying like, how are you busy? Oh, good, good. You know, busy is my least favorite answer. I'm guilty of it too. Um, but have things to talk about. And I think it's, it's a really great, important skill to develop, to be a conversationalist and to make people feel heard. And when you, when you talk with someone, they're not necessarily going to think like, oh, she had excellent etiquette. She was holding her wine glass just right. And yes, nobody's going to say that. (laughs) You're not going to think that, but it's like the aggregate of all of those little choices that make Mm -hmm. people feel like you really paid attention to them and you were Mm -hmm. listening and um, they enjoyed your conversation and they're looking forward to seeing you next time, or they're looking forward to working with you in the future or something to that effect. I love that. When I, and when I think of someone who is at a, at a party and they're reading a book, my first thought is not that they're snobby. And I think that if everyone could view that person as just being shy and you treat them as if they were shy, they, Mm -hmm. you're going to win because if you can go at them kindly, Mm -hmm. if they were snobby, a lot of that is coming from insecurity right there. So either way, if you treated them the same, even though they're, they act the same, uh, it could be two different energies, but if you could come at them with kindness and help them feel comfortable, um, either the snobby person is not going to become snobby or you just made up the shy person's night. And Mm -hmm. my thing that I always do is give a compliment. I mean, in Mm -hmm. some way, I mean, if somebody was there at the party and they were sitting there reading a book, I would say, Hey, I'm Amy. What are you, are you, what book are you reading? And they're, oh, that's so great that you are so dedicated to reading. Or I like your shoes. Those are amazing. Oh, what book are you reading? Oh my gosh, you're so great at reading. I should start reading more. I, I listen to audiobooks more. I mean, you can, what, so what books do you normally read? I mean, you can just completely get into a conversation and then, well, I'm really glad you're here. It was really nice to meet you. And that little bit right there can completely just transform their evening. Yes. And if you're hosting an event, there's little things that you can do to make people feel more comfortable. Like you, if you have a seating arrangement, you can 
intersperse your more talkative friends with your more shy ones, or if you have people that you, you know, they have something in common and you'd like to make sure that they get to speak with each other, you can seat them near each other. Um, I like to separate couples. Not all couples like to be separated, but I think it's nice when you drive home and you had two distinct experiences um, because if you're sitting right next to your significant other, often you just keep having a conversation with them the whole night um, Mm -hmm. or the whole And then this doesn't always work, but um, sometimes people feel more comfortable if you give them something to do. So Uh like when they, some people just say like, is there anything I can do to help? And they're just saying it. But for some people, if they have social anxiety, like asking them to like slice the lemons to go in the, you know, pitcher of water Mm -hmm. or to help with people, people's codes, if they have something to do that can give them kind of some confidence, um, Uh especially if they don't know as many people. So you're you're right. That is such a a way to give them a purpose. It gives them a purpose for being there. And we're we're about to have a lot of parties come up. Okay. Here in Texas, we are still like at 95 to 97 degrees. It is so hot, but I'm counting down the days where next week we're going to get to like the eighties. So I cannot wait. Well, as soon as that happens, all the events start to take place. I mean, people are coming out of the woodwork with fall festivals and kids events at school and all the gatherings and speaking events. So they start to really um, start up in October. So these are things that are important for a host to know before she has her or he has their guests come. I love that. And I, I saw that you did that on Instagram. I was like, I, that's a great idea to do social, to do place cards because, and you may have a husband and wife where the husband is so shy and the Mm -hmm. wife does all the talking because she's making up for it because her Mm -hmm. husband doesn't want to go anywhere. So now she finally Mm -hmm. is and doesn't stop talking kind of like me and (laughs) my husband will talk your ear off too. But if you were to separate them and put him down with some of the other guys that are really talkative it would pull him out of his shell a little bit more. He'd be forced to. He wouldn't yes. just ride on her coattails. And it it kind of makes the event richer in that often people are going to talk to whoever they're going to talk to in the cocktail hour or before they sit down. And mm-hmm. so it can mix it up in that way as well. I love that. Okay. Children's etiquette. What is yes. children's etiquette? Okay. So number one, I would say the best thing you can do if you want your children to have good etiquette is to demonstrate good etiquette yourself because children really watch, like, how do you treat people who come into your home? Um, just they're watching all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, how are you having meals with your kids or with your family? So that's a big one. I think there's so many opportunities when they're little to talk about sharing and saying please and thank you, um, learning how to greet adults, how to look people in the eye. Mm. Um, I, the question I get often is when to have them start writing thank you notes. And I think as soon as they can write, when they're too little, um, parents should write thank you notes on behalf of the child. So not in the third person, but, you know, thank you so much for the kind gift for our daughter um, and sign it with the parent's name. But when the kids are a little bit older, they can, you can write it with them and they can, you know, do their best attempt at writing their name at the bottom of the note. Or as they get even a little bit older, you could create a Mad Lib. So you're essentially writing everything and then they're writing a word or two and then signing their name at the that end. so cute. Very creative. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I've even seen uh, cards given to me that were somebody had gotten a, a packet of blank white cards mm-hmm. and the child, even at three years old, just scribbled on the top. And That's then... Cool. And then mom went and wrote the thank you card inside. I I love love that. Yeah. And I think the important things you want to teach your children about writing thank you notes is that first, they want to, you need to be in a habit of writing thank you notes. And then second, you want to mention the gift specifically. So it's not just thank you for the gift. It's thank you for this specific gift that you should mention in the context of the note. And then another thing that I, 
I love, and I think it's good for adults too, is not using the toy or not, you know, doing the experience or whatever the gift is until the thank you note is sent or the gift has been acknowledged. Oh, that's motivation to get it done too. Yeah. I love that. When we decided to homeschool our kids, which they're back in private, they're in private school now, but mm-hmm. they were third and fourth grade. And we decided that we were going to take them out and homeschool. One of my, one of my, um, motivations for doing so was the, the manners that I saw some of these mm-hmm. homeschool high school kids that I had met or that they had, they looked me in the eye. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could always pick them out. I I'd say you were homeschooled, weren't you? Yes, ma'am. And their manners were so good. They looked me in the eye, had a firm handshake. They knew what they wanted Mm. and they knew how to have initiative. So if I said, do you have gluten-free chicken or something like that? Then they might say, some of them would be like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Mm. And then the one with good manners, very assertive, he'd say, I'm not sure, but let me go and check for you and go beyond and then check the manager. So these are things that I wanted my kids to do and to learn. So I started with them, like I said, at third grade and fourth grade, we started homeschooling. But prior Mm -hmm. to that, I had already started to send them into the sandwich shop with my credit card and telling them to go order by themselves. So Mm -hmm. six years old. Now, if there was a long line, I wasn't going to do that. But any opportunity that I would get for them to go in and order their own sandwich, or if we go through the Chick-fil-A line, not the best place to eat, but we go through the Chick-fil-A line since the baby since River was probably three years old, he would tell them what he wanted to eat. He'd go, chicken nuggets, french fries, milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would say that. And I, it just created such assertiveness in them. And now they're in school. The older two are in school. And one of the things that their teachers say to me is they're like, I'm very impressed with how assertive and confident your kids are. When they have a question, they have no problem raising their hand. They have no problem coming up to me after school saying, I didn't make a good grade on this test. What can I do to get some bonus points or make a better grade in the class? That's amazing. amazing. It reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, and he talks about children at a pediatrician office and how it's... um, it's best to have the kid communicate to the doctor themselves about how they're feeling rather than having the parent communicate on behalf of the child. Yes. Especially with feeling and emotion. It creates, people don't understand. It creates an energetic shift in your body. Mm -hmm. If you say how you're feeling versus having someone else talk for you. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Okay. Handshakes. Let's talk about handshakes. Because that is one thing that I wanted my kids to learn how to do. I said, I told my daughter, I was like, look, you don't want to come at anyone like you're trying to be super masculine, but you also don't need to be a limp fish either and just, you know, wiggle someone's hand. Yes, (laughs) I totally agree. And a few things that I like to teach people often ask how forceful or firm their handshake should be. The firmness should be like, if you were checking a piece of fruit, like say a peach or a nectarine to see if it was ripe yet. And you just give it a little squeeze. Mm -hmm. That is the amount of pressure that you want to give for the actual squeeze of the handshake. And then with respect to the shaking, I'd say it's similar to like the force you need to open your refrigerator door. Okay. I love that. Yeah. So if it's anything less than that, it's probably not enough. And if it's anything more than that, then it's probably too much. Okay. And we want to, we also want to connect web to web. So not just, I, I'm not sure if people can see me, but, um, web to web, not just your fingers. Um, you don't want to, you always shake with your right hand, even if you are left hand dominant. And then you don't want to put your, you want to have your left hand to your side. So you don't want to put it on top of the other person. You don't want Mm. to put it on their shoulder. Um, that can be a sign, even though, 
there are some endearing, generally older people who do this, and it comes from a really soft, sweet, warm place. Um, oftentimes, especially in business, if we're using our second hand on top of um, the handshake, mm-hmm. or it can be exactly it can be seen as a sign of dominance or yes. aggression. Mm, I could see that. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so with my son, he knows how to shake a hand, but mm-hmm. with the with the boys, they also shake, twist up, and then they dab, right? Is oh, that what yes. it's called? Yes. <laughs> and now my this is what happens when you have a big age gap in children. Your your high school boy will teach your first grader things. So now my first grader knows things that my older son did not know until high school and not terrible subjects, just, you know, just funny things for, for the most part, but he's taught him how to do his little dab shake. So now my little first grader goes into school and his friends, he's like, what's up, bro? (laughs) And taps their shoulder. And I tell Evan, okay, that is fine. As long as you know how to shake someone's hand properly when needed. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's talk about, speaking of being able to turn things on and turn things off, let's mm-hmm. talk about language and cursing. How is that in the professional world? In the professional world, I don't think it's appropriate. I know that it is more common in certain industries, perhaps, mm-hmm. but I don't think that cursing ever is very becoming. And I think that whether you're speaking English or any other language, there are so many words you can use to demonstrate your frustration or um, urgency or any number of experiences or emotions. And I just don't think it's very becoming. Do you think that it, or to believe that it's really a sign of, uh, or just a lack of vocabulary? That's what many, many people say. I do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I told my children. So, you know, of course, kids in high school, they yeah. they want to use cuss words. And I mean, we did it. And, but here's what I tell my kids, because they'll tell me a lot of kids cuss. And I'll tell my kids, look, here's the deal. I used to cuss in high school because I thought it made me look cool. Mm-hmm. And all of these kids who are cussing, it's because they want to look cool. Mm-hmm. So you know that you're confident and you're cool enough without having to say cuss words or or do something that goes against your values and your integrity. Every once in a while, a cuss word might come out and Mm -hmm. that is okay. It's going to come out, but I am not going to be one of those parents that are just going to let you talk however you want to talk because you have to learn the foundations of our language so that you can properly get through life. Because if you cannot talk professionally in this world uh, properly, then you're not going to do great. You can't talk slang. Uh, you can't talk with, um, with all of these cuss words or whatever and expect for someone to respect you and hold you to a higher level. So mm-hmm. what you do on your own time, you, but you have to be able to turn it on or turn it off. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they say, okay, hopefully they're listening. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a great way to describe it. I love it. it I try to think of myself when I was in high school mm-hmm. and how stubborn I was and um, rebellious I was. And I try to, with the kids, they have my nature in some ways, but I am more present in their life than my mom was because my mom had to work and she was working in the corporate world. So she, she grew up with a lot of, or worked for 25 years with British Airways. So she was back and forth to London all the time and, you know, always on business class, fine dining, worked with the Royal Bank of Scotland. So Mm -hmm. learned a lot about etiquette that she taught us. But while I was in high school, she wasn't really there like she was working. So of course I got in a lot of trouble. Well, my kids, I'm pretty much around them all the time. So with them, I, I share with them that, um, or I try to show them that it's their choice, whether they were to get in trouble or not. And 
I try to give them other little ways of being rebellious if they want to, like my son driving around in the golf cart in the neighborhood at 1130 at night with his friend. That's a little rebellious. It's a little edgy, but it was like controlled. And it, I could have said, no, why would you want to do that? No, you, nobody needs to be driving around 1130. But it made him feel that little rebellion so that hopefully he gets that little fix. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I don't know where I just went all with that, but all right. Public speaking. We're getting close to the end of this, but I, I did want to go into public speaking just for a second. And I just want to know what you offer with that because more and more people since the pandemic, which I did not like the pandemic, but I think it brought some great things. And I think you can find positivity in any situation. So I see so many beautiful, amazing things that came out of the pandemic. And one of those is that a lot of people have really decided to pursue their passion and their purpose. And with that, they need to speak publicly. Maybe they're going to networking events or they're working for themselves. So what is it that you offer to help someone with public speaking? So I help people with everything from writing their remarks to delivering them, or even if they don't necessarily have specific remarks that they're practicing, just improving their public speaking more generally. But often it includes watching them um, speak and then we record it and then we watch it back numerous times together. And Mm -hmm. then little by little, we kind of chisel away and improve Something that I learned in law school and as a litigator, there is nothing more powerful than watching recordings of yourself. And what I do is I actually watch the recordings sped up and without any volume, because if you have a habit, like whether it's touching your glasses or swaying back and forth, or we all have these these habits uh-huh. that we meditate to, it will be exacerbated into clarity if you watch it fast forwarded. Uh, so we often do that. And, and then, um, you know, so, some people listen to me, I'm saying, um, as I'm explaining how to become a better public speaker, <laughs> we all do it. Yes, we all do it. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy helping people with public speaking, especially if they have an incredible story or an incredible heart to give and speaking Mm -hmm. is something that is, or their fear of speaking is something that's preventing them from sharing and giving in the way that they really feel called to. I love that. Well, I meant what I said when I texted you on Instagram and I said, I'm just so impressed with all that you do. And I just see so much how, all of your experiences and your passions have all come together. And it's really, truly a valuable, beautiful thing. I mean, even just as much as watching yourself speak and you're, you're conquering fears. I mean, that it's a, it is a fearful thing that people go through, but people are conquering their fears working with you. And then they're also, learning how to have self-reflection and just the whole topic of self-reflection can go so far in, in mm-hmm. your marriage and your relationships with family, with friends. It is, um, it's truly valuable what you do and I really love it. So thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and sharing. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It has been such a joy and I really appreciate you inviting me and I wish you all the best for this podcast. I think it's terrific. I've really enjoyed all the episodes that I've been able to listen to. And oh, thank to- you. Oh, and if I'm ever in B- DC, I'll have to come say hi. Cause I love to go yes. to DC, especially in April when it's the cherry blossoms. Yes. That it's would such be a beautiful place. And I love all the restaurants. We don't, I guess we do have a lot of the restaurants, uh, with white linens, but every time that I've been there, we, I, if we get the opportunity to go to a white linen, um, fine dining experience, that's, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. So, uh, anyway, we don't have as many here as they do in DC, but there's, you know, it's a huge business district, so I'm not surprised. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much and you have a wonderful day and I will let you know when the podcast comes out and where can people find you? Um, on Instagram at elevate etiquette and then also at elevateetiquette.com. Okay, great. And they can find all of your courses on there, everything that you have to offer. This is, you've graduated college. This is, this is where you need to go. 
(laughs) Take the next step here. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of According to the Castles with Amy and Trey. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. To stay up to date with the castles, follow Amy on Instagram at acastles. Until next time, have faith, enjoy life, and love abundantly. There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com.